Welcome to Island Baptist Church. Today's sermon is over 2 Timothy, entitled, A Godly Mother in Difficult Times. Talking this morning about moms and normal, our normal diet is out of the Old Testament of late. Uh, it's more than of late. I think I said the other Sunday, several Sundays ago, that I've been about four years in the Old Testament. Actually, it's seven years. Seven. I didn't write it, y'all. It's long. And so I know that's too long to have a sermon series, but it's the whole, the whole Old Testament, for crying out loud. So... We're, we're making our way through that. We're going to be, though, for, for a special Sunday, Mom Sunday, uh, in the book of 2 Timothy. So if you have a Bible with you, if you don't, there's one on your phone. If you don't have that, there's one in the pew underneath in front of you. But you're going to need a Bible because we're going to be reading from it, and that's just what we do. Uh, learning from the Scriptures and uh, experiencing the thing God has from us. For there. We're grateful for moms and grateful for the things that they've taught us and... and um, how they led us, and I had such a great mom, my brother and I both, uh, just uh, such a great mom, and the things that she did, learned so much from her. We learned a lot from our moms, did we not? We learned, um, here's a logic lesson we learned from our moms. Isn't that the logic that you got? If you fall out and break, <laughs> break your neck, don't come crying to me. That's, I think that's logical. Uh, that makes sense. I, I, I would say if you do, that you probably won't come crying to her. We learned religion from our mom, didn't we? How about that one? Do you ever hear that one from your mom? Better pray. That comes out of the carpet, for sure. Uh, or how about the little prayer that your mom prayed over you, God help you if you ever do that again, that, that one. That's a, you know, like I said, we learn religion uh, from our moms. Uh, contradictions we learn from our mom. Um, shut your mouth and eat your dinner. My mom said that one time, and then we had the, you know, the smart aleck of, well, if I can't open my mouth, how am I supposed to eat, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> Children, don't do that. It's just not a wise move. I don't hardly remember anything that happened the rest of the afternoon. It was just kind of a blur. Um, when your mom's upset, that's not, I mean, there are times, there are never a time, good time to smart off, but especially when she's upset. That is not a good time. We learned uh, contortions from our mom. I heard this one from my mom as well. Have you seen the dirt on the back of your neck? No, I haven't, actually. Um, don't say that either. We learned perseverance from our mom. Uh, you'll sit there until you eat. Anybody have that one ever said, you know, or whatever the food was? Uh, you're going to sit there until you eat at least a bite of that. And um, wow, you learn out that she's a little harder headed than you are. We learned uh, weather, weather from our mom. Uh, looks like a tornado swept through your room. She knows weather. And, uh, and yeah, it, it was right, wasn't it? We learned of all things hypocrisy from our mom. Don't exaggerate, right? We learned the circle of life. I'm sure you've heard some version of this from your mom. Um, that's right. And that's definitely not the time to smart off for sure. She's really upset. We're going to be talking about moms, like I said this morning. I want to introduce you to a very special mom. Uh, a mom who beat the odds. Uh, she raised a wonderful child in very difficult circumstances. Uh, she raised him in a day... Uh, like today, in which the world basically was, uh, had turned their hearts, turned their lives against God. Basically, paganism was the accepted thing. Uh, it was an intellectual society, uh, but it was a society that abandoned the true knowledge of God long before. Uh, it, was a, it was a society full of drug abuse, full of alcoholism, uh, violence, uh, crime uh, were the norms. Sexual promiscuity was uh, just globally accepted, I guess we could say. Uh, in addition to this, as she raised her son, she raised him not only in a horrible environment, but she also raised him in a home in which she didn't have the support of her husband. Her husband was not a believer. 
uh, did not support her in her positions on religion and faith in God or anything like that. And so to say that she had a hard uh, road to hoe would be uh, an understatement. But despite all this, uh, this woman, this, this mom, succeeded in raising a godly son who grew up to be a minister of all things, a well-respected man, eventually entered the ministry, was well-known for, uh, among other things, helping churches that were in trouble. Uh, deliver them from bad circumstances, deliver them from bad people, helping them with doctrinal issues and, and other things. And, and such an influential young man. In fact, we know more about this young man than we know about the mom, but we know a lot about the mom because of the way the son turned out, uh, interestingly enough. He became one of the best, well, one of the best known men in history, uh, even having two books written about him in his name. You guess who he is? I had you turn to his book. Uh, one of them, not from him, but actually about him and to him, the book of Timothy. And his mother uh, is named here. Her name is Eunice, and such an incredible woman that she was, and not so much that we know anything a lot directly about her, but we know a lot indirectly about her because of the influence that she clearly had upon this young man, Timothy, who eventually became protege of Apostle Paul. Uh, Timothy is a living proof of the old Spanish proverb that says an, an ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. And uh, he certainly was that in every way. Timothy was just an incredible young man. And we're going to see how she did it and what she did and, and be able to take these things to heart. And not just, for the, not just preaching to moms, I'm also preaching to dads. And I'm preaching to anyone who has influence over young people. And, and our young people are hurting and they're in desperate need today. And we have such a great responsibility as church members, as people of, of uh, walking with Christ and followers of Christ. And we need to take our, our influence and our opportunities very seriously. And we can learn such a great example from this, from this woman. Her name is Eunice. So let's be introduced to her. It's going to be a brief introduction because like I said it doesn't say a lot directly about her. But there's a lot we can infer at least indirectly from the life and uh, ministry of this young man, Timothy. So let's start here. First chapter, Second Timothy. Look with me down at verse 3. Again, this is a book written by Paul, written to Timothy. In fact, 2 Timothy is Paul's last book. And so this is his swan song book. He's headed out. Uh, he knows that he's going to be martyred for his faith. Uh, this is his second time to go through a prison sentence. He's in Rome as he writes this book. And he's writing it to Timothy, to, among other things, so that Timothy will come see him. But he talks of several things, instructing young Timothy as he progresses in his ministry. And he starts the book out this way. I thank God, verse 3 whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my fathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. So this is the way he introduces himself or, or, or introduces the letter to, to Timothy. I'm mindful, I'm reminded, he says, of your sincere faith. Notice it was in him, but notice he says, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois. She was a mom. And in your mother Eunice, that's the lady of our interest today, I am sure that it is now also within you. He knew these ladies. He knew Eunice especially. He knew the caliber of person that he was. He says, I'm confident that you're going to follow in their steps because of the influence that this woman had on your life. How did, how did she do it? How did, how did she raise a young man that Paul said, of, of all the people that was in his ministry, the closest to him, the one he trusted the most, the one that he would send when there were problems in churches that he had started all over Asia Minor and all over uh, parts of Greece and other places. When he heard of a story of something happening and something going on, the church was in trouble uh, either from the inside or from the outside, he would take this young man and send him there. 
Because he knew, as he says, Timothy is my own heart. I can send my own heart to you in the person of this young man. How did, he, how did this young man get to be that caliber? I would suggest to you a lot could be laid at the feet of this woman, Eunice. Let's consider some things that we can glean from the story of Timothy and learn the kind of influence that this woman had and, and also apply it to us as we influence young people, whether it be fathers or mothers or grandparents or or just influencers in some way, which we all are in some way, of young people. Let's consider several things that we ought to apply from the life of this woman. First of all, we see that Eunice was an encourager. You know what the name Timothy means? It's a very specific name. It's a Greek word. But his name very specifically means one who honors God. Now, I've already told you that his dad was not a believer. He's a pagan. So do you think his dad was responsible for that name or that his mom was responsible for that name? I'm thinking mom, right? It doesn't, it's not written in there. I'm not trying to add anything to Scripture, but I'm thinking there's a good chance that dad didn't have anything to do with the naming of this son, that mom gave him the name, and that mom, I would suggest to you, gave him the name for a very specific reason. Every time he heard his name, what did he hear? You're going to be one who honors God. You're going to be one who honors God. We've kind of lost in our culture, not kind of, we pretty much have lost in our culture, the meanings of names. Uh, we named our kids names with specific meanings, but I don't know if you could ask them today what their names meant, if they could really tell you. They're all biblical names. Uh, and we're kind of the same way. I'm, I think Bill has a meaning. William has a meaning. I'm not really sure what it is. Uh, your name has a meaning. I'm not, you're not really sure what it was back then. Back then, though, their names were sentences in their own language. So every time they heard it, they would hear this sentence, so they would hear this application. Every time Timothy heard his name, he heard the words, you're going to be one who honors God. Eunice was an encourager. She encouraged her son. She knew he, she had a hard road to host. She knew he had a tough life to face, especially if he was going to be what his name claimed he was going to be. He was really going to have to fight against the odds. He was going to really have to swim upstream. And yet, and yet that's exactly what happened in his life. Moms and dads, uh, kids everywhere, our, our children, whatever our influence is, if your grandparents or whatever you are, our kids need encouragement. Don't you remember what it was like to grow up. Do you remember? Well, I live, we still live in this culture, don't we? This society, this, this world uh, system that sets up a set of rules, but as soon as we get to the place where we're about to achieve the rules, guess what happens? The rules change. It sets up a, 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 you need to have this, and you need to be this, you need to accomplish this, and then when we get there, guess what happens? It's something different now. Need to wear this. When we, get, when we finally get it, guess what happens? The, the, the norms change, don't they? Constantly shifting constantly setting up a, a carrot in front of us to be moving out and grabbing a hold of, but when we actually get a hold of it, guess what? It just moves to the next step. Never achieve it. Always, you're always one inch underneath the surface, right? Never getting a breath. Never getting ahead. It's always just, just a little bit further. One step more. One day late. And so we live in this oppressive culture that constantly is sending this kind of message, and our kids need encouragement. They need us to encourage them. They needed to, set in front, to be set in front of them something that says you can be what all the things that God wants you to be, and you don't have to live up to the standards of this world. You don't have to follow after these things. Uh, there is something greater for you, and they need that encouragement nowadays. We're reminded of a, a, a statement made in Ecclesiastes about the, the, the significance of having someone come alongside you. Look at what it says. Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down... One can help the other up. 
but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Our, our church has a, a very significant ministry to young people here, ministry in our community to young people, uh, children and youth. And I would say that the average youth, the average child that we minister to has no one to come alongside them, no one to help them up. If our church doesn't do it, if our ministries don't do it, they don't have anybody. Now, if you set mom and dad down and you say, do you care about your kids? They would say yes. And I believe in their hearts, they think that they do. But in fact is, they're consumed with their own lives. They're consumed with their own stuff and their kids are in the way. And I'm, I'm not making a judgment call. I'm, I'm stating to you exactly what we observe. This is exactly what we see. Who's going to come alongside these kids? Who's going to care for them? Who's going to influence them? Likewise, if they're your kids, who's supposed to be doing that? Who should be the other in their life? It needs to be you, mom, dad, grandmother, grandfather, friend, influencer, teacher, whatever you are. It needs to be you because they don't have anybody but you. They don't have anyone. If they fall and they don't have another there, guess what? Woe be to them, right? It's sad. It really is. They need encouragement. Every time Timothy heard his name, he heard the words, you're going to be all that God wants you to be. You're going to be someone who honors God with your life. Our children need that same repeated encouragement. First of all, we see something that we can repeat in our own lives, that Eunice was an encouragement. The second thing that we see here is that she was a teacher. Go on, we're not going to ask you to turn there, just, just going to turn there on our screen. Still in the book of 2 Timothy. Still, I believe, part of the story of Eunice. Notice Paul, again, writing to Timothy, indirectly writing about Eunice. Notice what it says, but as for you, speaking to Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it. You might think if you stop right there, he's talking about himself. And certainly Paul taught him a lot. And he gained a lot from being in a relationship, obviously, with the apostle Paul, writes half your New Testament. I mean, what kind of experience would that be for this young man? I mean, what a, pro, what a, what a, what a mentor, right, to have in his life. But he doesn't, he's not talking about himself. Notice what he keeps on saying there. And how from infancy... Paul doesn't meet Timothy until Timothy's 25, roughly. How from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So Paul doesn't enter his life until 25. So who was influencing him before that? See, it's a safe bet, don't you think? We've already been introduced to grandmother Lois and mother Eunice who had a sincere faith, it says that back there in verse 5 in chapter 1, does it not? And so what we're finding out here is it wasn't just sincere in the sense that they didn't just, I mean, they actually plugged it into this young man's life. When, when, when Paul shows up on the scene, when Timothy's basically a grown man, he finds a young man who already has instilled in him the Word of God. He already knows stuff. He begins to disciple a young man, and there's a fire already in him, you see. There's growth already there. There's something to build on it. And I would say we could definitely, certainly lay it at the feet of this mom who was his teacher. So mothers and parents and grandparents and teach, teachers of children and influencers of children, we need to teach our children about God. They need to hear the stories from you. They need to hear it from your mouth. Oh, that's why we take our kids to church. Show me in the scriptures where the church is responsible for raising up your kids. It's not there. In fact, I can show you from the scriptures that, in fact, it's not the church it is you. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have good programs, that we shouldn't teach well. We need to make sure we've got the right teachers. But I'm telling you, all we can give them here at this church and any other church, at the very most, is just a supplement. Your kids can't live off vitamins, all right? 
they got to have the meat and potatoes, and they're going to get it or not. If they do or don't, it's going to happen at the home. It's going to happen from you. Here's what the scriptures say about our influence and how we should be exercising it. These commandments, Paul, God says, that I give you today are to be on your hearts. That's where it's got to be first. How's it going to come out of your mouth if it's not first here? Are to be on your hearts. Impress them, notice, on your children. They can't read. I, I remember as, I, as a child raised in a very godly home, uh, I, I knew the scriptures before I could read them. I knew the songs in church before I could read the words. In fact, part of my learning experience on how to read was that I already knew the words, I'd already memorized the verses, and I'd already indirectly memorized the songs, and as I was sitting down with a hymnal on Sunday morning, or a Bible on Sunday morning, and the pastor would be reading, I'd be following along, because I, I, I knew what was supposed to come there, and I would just see, a, see the word, and I would say, okay, that's that word. I'll learn how to read, because I had already knew the scriptures. I'd been taught them as a child. I'd been taught them before. I'd already knew the songs and the, and the hymns because I'd been taught them. I'd been put in a place where I could learn them. They need listen. They need to hear it from you. It goes on. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk on the road. That's not church. When you lie down, when you get up, I'd say all the time. It needs to come from you. I need to hear it from you. Not just, well, you need to be in church and you need to do the right thing and you need to read the Bible. No, they need to hear the stories from you. It's got to be first on your heart, it says, if you want it to be on theirs. It's got to be first in that place. So they need to first hear it from you and then secondly, they need to see it in you. This is the third thing we see in the life of Eunice. Number one, she was an encourager. Number two, she was a teacher. Number three, she was sincere. Go back to chapter one. Let's be reminded of that. Maybe you want to underline that word right there, verse five. Chapter 1, verse 5, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your mother Lois, grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. Sincere faith. What's the difference between sincere faith and not sincere faith? A ton. Immeasurably. So, so if your kid sees you act one way at church, talk one way at church, be one way in ministry, and another way when you get at home, that is the definition of insincere. And you talk about someone who can spot it from a mile away, it's your kid. They know it. There's, there's no bigger thing than hypocrisy to run a kid away from church. Nothing bigger. To scare them away from God. Why would I want what she has? She doesn't even believe it. She puts on a face. She puts on an act. But you don't see her when she's at home. You don't hear him when he's at home. Really? Wow. You know, I, I'd have to say, and I know some of your situations are that way. I know some of you were raised in situations that were that way, and, I'm, I'm, um, and I, I can't do anything about it. I can say this, though. I was not raised that way. I was raised, and I've told you many times, with very sincere people. They were the same at church as they were at home, as they were when I was in trouble, as they were when I was not in trouble, which wasn't as often as they were when, when they... And my, dad, my dad worked in a refinery there in East Texas. My mom taught school. When I was in high school, my mom was the high school counselor. I saw her every single day. I saw my mom at home. I saw her at school. I saw her at church. She was the same lady. I didn't get away with anything there, nor here, nor over there. She had the same attitude. I'm not saying my parents were not, they were definitely not perfect. But they were not insincere in any way. When they messed up, they were upfront about it. They said something they shouldn't have said. They said that. That was wrong. We shouldn't have said that. They did something wrong. We shouldn't have done that. We've asked God to forgive us. We're now asking you to forgive us. That's the way I was raised. 
It was sincere. My brother and I have absolutely no excuses for not, being, not honoring God with our lives because we saw it. There was no fakes. They were not putting on airs. They were not hiding from anybody. They were being honest about it. Eunice was a woman who was sincere in her faith. The one Sunday, there was a couple coming to church, and they had a four, little five-year-old son, and they had a brand-new baby, and they were bringing the baby to be dedicated in front of the church so that the congregation would pray for, for her. And, uh, of course, like we do at our church, we give a little Bible in commemoration of that, and we promise as a congregation to, to pray for them and support this child and live a life correctly in front of the child. And we also pray for the mom and dad, that the mom and dad would, would uh, raise the child in a Christian home and be, be uh, real and sincere in front of the child. And so, anyway, that, that happened with this couple. And church went on, and church was over, and they all got in the car, and they were riding home. Well, the little boy breaks out in sobbing tears. I mean, uncontrollable. Like, they couldn't, couldn't reason with it. I mean, he was just so upset, and they could not figure out, and they couldn't... They, they could, what they could finally figure out is that something had to do with the baby dedication. And so they thought, well, you know, he's jealous. I mean, the little sister got up there, and she was sort of the limelight, and he's been the five-year-old now and had the whole, the whole show, and now he's being jealous about the little sister. And, then, and so they got him home and got in a quiet place, and they sat down with him, and they finally got him calmed down and kind of found out he wasn't jealous about the little girl. He was upset about something that the pastor had said during, during the baby's dedication. And so they started going through in their heads. I mean, what did he say? They said they wanted him to be raised in a Christian home where uh, people spoke kindly, where people were honest, where things were done right. And the little boy said, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what he said. And he said that he wanted me to be raised in a home like that. He says, but I want to be raised by you guys, he said. <laughs> so, wow. Wow, all right. Timothy's mother had a sincere faith. And, and like I said, I want you to underline that word sincere because it's such an important word. Sincere faith is so much, so important to our children. Look at what Paul says about his own sincere faith to the congregations that he started and led. Philippians, first of all. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Can you say that, Mom and Dad? Can you say that? Live the way I've been living. Or do you follow the same diatribe of don't do what I do, do what I say? That doesn't work. It never does. They're not going to remember what you teach them. They're going to remember the way you lived, good or bad. And the God of peace, he says, will be with you. Then he says to the Corinthian church, follow my example as I follow Christ. They're going to follow your example, moms, dads, grandparents, influencers of children. They're going to follow. So if they follow you, where will they wind up? Wherever you're headed, whatever that is. Followers of Christ, great. Not so much, well, then not so great. We have to have a sincere faith. If Jesus, listen, is really the answer to the world today, which he is, then we need to act like it. If, if you want your kids, listen, if you want the priority of your kids to be Jesus, then he needs to be your priority. You can't expect him to be something that you're not. If you want, listen, your child to be serious about his faith, serious about the Bible, serious about following God, serious about working in the church, make sure you're doing that. Make sure you are. Again, not the whole do as I say, not as I do. You need to be up there at that church. You need to be doing what you're, and, and then you yourself aren't. Well, that's insincere. It's going to be hard for them to be something different than what you are. 
Our children will forget a lot of things, like I said, that we say. They will not forget how we lived. They will not. So Eunice was an encourager. Eunice was a teacher. Eunice was a person who lived her life in front of them. The four scholars were gathered together, and they were discussing different things, Bible scholars, about theology, and they got on the subject of which translation they preferred, and they were discussing, one said he preferred the King James because of the Old English and because it was written in Old English, and it was one of the oldest translations of the Bible in the English language, and he'd been raised with it and how he loved, loved just the poetic nature of the old, the old English. And another one said he liked the King James, but he preferred the American Standard Version just because of his literalism. And, and another one piped up about his preferred uh, translation, and they had a big conversation about it. And there was four of them there, but only three of them had actually said which translation they preferred. And, and the, the fourth one, they finally turned to him and said, well, you haven't said anything. What's your favorite translation? And he pondered there for a second. He says, I, I personally, he says, prefer my mother's translation of the Bible. He said, your mother's translation? Your mother doesn't have a degree. Is she, how did she translate the Bible? What are you talking about? He says, my mother, he said this, my mother translated the Bible. She translated every page of the Bible into life, and it's the most convincing translation that I have ever seen. A sincere faith. A sincere faith. They will first read it in you before they ever read it here. They will first believe it in you before they ever believe it in here. They'll first see it done correctly or not in you before they'll ever listen to what it says in here. It's got to come from us, moms and dads, grandparents, influencers of kids. It's got to come to us. And yeah, yeah, I'm responsible for God and I need to make sure that I have keeping a short account with God because that is my responsibility and my relationship with Him and that should be priority for me. But it's not just about me. It's about those watching me. You see, I, I've got a, a, an additional reason, a multitude of additional reasons to live right and act right and think right and not just when I'm in front of people, but when I'm by myself. As they say many times, you'll never be better than who you are when you're all by yourself. I want to ask you please to bow your heads and close your eyes as we're by ourselves there in that time of silence before the Lord. And I want you to think about your influence. I want, to think, I want you to think about the exercising of it. I want you to think about those little eyes that are watching you. And those older eyes, possibly, that are looking up to you. Are you encouraging them? Are you instructing them? Are you living a sincere faith in front of them? God has placed you in their lives for a reason. And sometimes we get caught up in our stuff. And we get way absorbed in stuff that won't matter a hill of beans the second after we're dead. Instead, we need to readjust our focus to what is going to matter. What's going to matter for them, what's going to matter for us, not just here and now, but forevermore. Thinking correctly, speaking correctly, acting correctly. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this young man, Timothy, and the influence that he had on the New Testament church and the way he ministered and the effect that he had in such an important person in the life and ministry of Paul that he would write two letters with his own name on it. But God, we can't go past the influence and where did this young man get it all from? And I know, God, it's you working in his life ultimately and we... Certainly the glory belongs to you, but, but you also used faithful people 
like this grandmother and this, this mother who ministered faithfully to this young man, who, who taught him, who encouraged him, who lived sincerely in front of him so that he could go on and be just like them and whatever you called him to be. God, I pray that you would touch our hearts today about our responsibility. Touch our hearts, the moms, the dads, the grandmothers, grandfathers, the um, influencers of children, wherever position we find ourselves in. Help us, God, to assume our responsibility correctly, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptist.org.